Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. I think just learning time and time again with life experience that when you do have a failure, if you learn from it and you're able to grow from it and, and do better the next time, then it served a purpose. Um, if it didn't and you keep making the same mistakes over and over again, right. you know, then there's something broke that you need to fix. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised L.A., and I created We Are L.A. Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of the show. Enjoy. This week's We Are LA Tech shout out goes to Matt Hesse. Matt, I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. I should know it by now. Matt is incredible. He won the prices right even with the We Are LA Tech experience when we all went out as a group. Matt has been a huge fan and supporter of We Are LA Tech for a long time. Really supportive of me and everything. Be sure to say hello to Matt on LinkedIn. That's M-A-T-T and the last name H-E-I-S-I-E and uh, he's just an amazing, amazing LA Tech entrepreneur. Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. I created a spot talking about the transition of my office and I just felt like I was whining and melancholy and I just didn't want to do that to your day. So I'm re-recording this and I see this book to my right, thanks to Rose, who put it there for me, a collection of brilliant quotations for a beautiful life. Let's open it up and see what we find. Cheerfulness. That's exactly not what I feel on this Saturday. Blessed are the happiness makers. Blessed are they who know how to shine. How strange that like this is the one I open up to, right? Transition is hard. It's really uncomfortable. At least it has been for me. When I first started, even when I was a teenager... I remember like looking over my balcony. I grew up in LA and Westwood and looking over my balcony and just totally feeling like anything was possible for me. Like I could create and invent anything. And then as the years go on and, and I became an entrepreneur as an adult, after, you know, heartbreak and failure, it starts to f- feel like restrictive. Like there's a restriction on my dreams. There, there's sometimes like a limit to what I could do, or sometimes I feel like one of those, um, you know, those things that pop up from the floor and then they, you knock them back down. Whack-a-mole. I feel like a whack-a-mole. I'm kind of like in the whack-a-mole phase. And um, I'm not really vibing my sense of fluidity at the moment. And I miss it and I crave it. 
and I envisioned my fluidity with my old space. And now that I don't have those walls, I don't know, feels like I'm at a loss on how to create, how to be the artist that, that I know I am in my heart or my art is human connection. And in order to deliver human connection, what I need first is I need myself. And I don't feel like I have myself right now because there's no way that I could energetically share my spirit if my spirit feels stifled, you know? So I'm just doing my best to, to refine my steps and, um, feels complicated and icky. And I'm so thankful that I have a team that lets me be exactly who I am. And so I could share vulnerable moments like this and they still have my back. Thank you guys and girls. <laughs> I'm thinking of you right now, Janice and Adam and Carl and Gerald. And it's just, thank you. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Anyway, it's Saturday and it's been a few weeks of eating donuts and potato chips and all sorts of processed foods and not drinking water and like an overconsumption of just anything that I don't usually eat. So I feel like I have to jump into a process of getting the toxins out of my body. And so I stopped by the co-op this morning to get a big green juice and started with water. And I just know it's going to be hard because, you know, right now my entire body is craving more whole foods, chocolate chip cookies and all this stuff I've been indulging in to just mask that that this process of transition evolving into what's next is is um, uncomfortable. And I don't do drugs or drink very often. And so I've been using food to, to find my dopamine fix, to find that solace. And I need to, I need to let go of my crutch and just like power through. Because honestly, like I'm trying to remember that things aren't like I'm healthy and that's all that actually matters is that I'm healthy. Like nothing else actually matters other than health. I mean, it matters that we're good to people, I think, right? But like at the core of everything, if we don't have our health, everything else is insane. And I do have my health right now. And I want to focus on the power of gratitude for that. And um, before I go, there's this other little book that Rose put up. The Little Book of Self-Care, 200 Ways to Refresh, Restore, and Rejuvenate. Let's open this up randomly. Oh my gosh, no, I can't. <laughs> okay, I'll read it to you guys because it's so, this is so bad. I literally opened this book, right, to a random page, and it's so, <laughs> it's so racy. I'm such a conservative person, but I'll, I'll read it out loud even though I'm like completely blushing. I can't believe it just said this. Literally the page I opened up. It's not even a scanless book, you guys. It's called The Little Book of Self-Care. And it's like light blue and purples and peaches. I open it up and it's like make time for a quickie. I swear I can't even believe I said that out loud. All right, book in universe. You're very funny. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to do the best I can with my day and my green juice. And I will open more pages in this book to see what else it has to offer me. All right. Bye. podcast spotlighting LA tech companies and talent and the best events going on. So excited to be introducing to you a new startup here in LA tech. Yes. Hello, Sivan. Hi, Esprit. <laughs> 
So, okay, tell us a little bit about where your company is based and who you are and what you do. We are Noria Water Technologies, and we're based uh, here in Los Angeles over on the west side. Uh, and what we do, we develop different types of technologies to optimize industrial processes. So the flagship product that we're working on right now is to optimize uh, advanced uh, water treatment. Now, you just moved from Israel to here to be a part of the company in L.A. What does L.A. I mean, Israel, um, Tel Aviv is one of the top three startup cities. I feel I feel like San Francisco, New York, L.A. and Tel Aviv all fight each other for the top spot. Why was L.A. the right choice for for your team? So interestingly, when I left L.A., I'm from here originally, uh, I left back in 2003. I lived up in the Bay Area and then I moved out to Israel. So I've been in three or, f- or four of those cities that, <laughs> that you just mentioned. Uh, and uh, Israel definitely is booming in terms of startups. I was part of uh, building a startup from the ground up over there. And uh, L.A. was the place to be because that's where my co-founders are. And the startup ecosystem here has really just grown. I was shocked moving back in 2019 uh, just to see that, uh, you know, the whole Silicon Beach concept that I had heard about has really taken root. Totally. And how did you find the company that you're with today? Uh, Had you been a CEO in the past? Uh, I had not. I had been the first full-time employee of a startup company before, so really working with the two uh, co-founders to bring a technology from a prototype stage uh, through seed, Series A, Series B funding, uh, growing the company uh, into a global brand. Um, but uh, this is my first experience as actually the CEO of the company making all of those strategic decisions myself. And, this, and the startup before, what did they do? Uh, it was an industrial IoT company. And then... It- in becoming a CEO, was there any hesitation for you, any block that you had to overcome internally in order to prepare yourself for the role or to believe in yourself that, yeah, I got this? Uh, I think I really built up to it, to be quite honest. Um, my first roles that I took out of college were roles where uh, they were within very large organizations. So I was able to take on uh, take on jobs with a lot of risk. Uh, but, you know, really messing up on the dime of somebody else, not, a, not, a my, not of myself or my own bank account. And from there, uh, took on roles that increased in scope, but also decreased in terms of the size of the company um, so that the decisions I was making did have more and more uh, impact. So by the time uh, I got to, to this uh, position, uh, I really did feel that I had a really solid um, base of knowledge to be able to move into the role, but also learning to know what you don't know, to be comfortable with failure, uh, and to really use your resources, your mentors, people around you, uh, and to not be afraid to get help. Uh, How can you become comfortable with failure? What does that mean to you? And where did you learn how to do that? Well, I remember uh, being in college and uh, there was a, just a really bad joke. I'm not sure if this is <laughs> funny, but uh, as a civil engineer, which was my training, um, that one of my professors, I remember telling us, said that, uh, what's the difference between a doctor and a civil engineer? And they said, um, a doctor can only kill one person at a time. Because a civil engineer is building these buildings and you hear oh, wow. about engineering failures. And that's pretty traumatizing wow. to hear as an 18 year old, right? That that's the profession that you're going into. Wow. Um, so we had classes on failures. And I think just learning time and time again with life experience that when you do have a failure, if 
you learn from it and you're able to grow from it and, and do better the next time, then it served a purpose. Um, if it didn't and you keep making the same mistakes over and over again, right. you know, then there's something broke that you need to fix. But and, and tell me more about how this opportunity now has integrated into your life. How long have you been with the company? Um, what are your aspirations for the company? Uh, it's integrated into my life. I've been with the company for about a year and a half now. And how many people work? There's four of us. Okay. So we're really right now in the startup stage. Um, nice. We're doing a seed round of fundraising right now. Uh, and that's, so I'm in the middle of that, which is an interesting experience in and of itself, especially not coming from a financial background, but that's where it comes in that you, you know, really learn things that you may not have known before, but you feel confident that you can figure it out. (laughs) Totally. So, uh, I've been with the company for about a year and a half. I had to relocate back to Los Angeles from Israel where I was living, but why did you have to? Uh, the company's built here. The other three, uh, my other three co-founders uh, live in Los Angeles. They had actually developed the technology itself before I came on board. And I came on board to really work with them to commercialize the technology and to build the company. Cool. Yeah. And who is your target market? Uh, our target market are uh, industrial customers um, that do advanced water treatment using reverse osmosis or nanofiltration processes. We optimize those processes using our instrumentation and our software that we build. Um, so industrial customers like semiconductor uh, producers, food and beverage, pharmaceutical, uh, also power plants. Can you break it down for someone that knows nothing about your industry? Like, Yes. Yes. Go for it. <laughs> Um, so basically, a lot of water treatment uh, is done using a process that's called reverse osmosis or nanofiltration. Um, that technology is typically, uh, in our everyday vernacular, known as desalination, uh, which is just taking salts and different types of contaminants out of water. But desalination isn't just for seawater like we hear in the news all the time. That, t- that process can actually be applied across any industry, um, cleaning water for agricultural purposes, uh, for wastewater reuse, uh, for power plants, like I mentioned, for all these various industrial processes. Um, all of those processes use various different types of water treatment. A very popular one is reverse osmosis and nanofiltration. What that is, is basically you take water and you push it very high pressure through this tube that's called a pressure vessel. Right. Uh, and, you, and in that tube are a whole number of membranes. Uh, And so what happens is the water goes through the membranes and the membranes catch any sort of biofouling particles, mineral salts, uh, so that those don't end up in your produced water that you use for whatever it is, whether it's drinking water afterwards or for your power plants and so on. Uh, And so the problem with that process is that you can't actually see the membranes as the water is being pushed through. So you don't know when your membranes are getting clogged up. Like, uh, your AC in your house, or, and there's so many, a strainer when you're trying to strain different liquids through it. But imagine that you can't see it, so you don't know what the status is of that critical piece of your whole treatment process. Um, and so as a result of that, operators of these types of systems end up operating uh, very conservatively, producing less water than they otherwise could be, uh, wasting membranes, they overdose chemicals, uh, waste energy, um, because it's a process that's basically what we call like a black box process. Right. Uh, they're estimating membrane health. Um, so what we're doing is we have a system that is actually uh, able to look at the membrane under operation in real time uh, and so can give that information to operators. They can see the membrane surface and we use machine learning to actually categorize 
what's building up on the membrane surface, whether it's uh, fouling coming in from seawater, whether it's salts um, that are in the water. And then we just give this very simple output to operators about how they should be operating their plant and cut operating costs, cut waste, increase produced water. Um, So it's really very advanced technology that's used in a lot of different industries. Water and construction, which is also in my background, tend to be very conservative industries uh, and slower to adopt to different kinds of technologies. So this is the first time that this type of technology is being introduced into this market. And in one year's time, where where would you like to see the company? Uh, I would like to see us making very good use of a closed seed round of investment uh, and building up our sales and marketing efforts and really having this uh, product in rolling out to different uh, reverse osmosis plants across the United States. And you said fundraising has been a new process. Yes. What have you learned about it so far? Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. And you said fundraising has been a new process. Yes. What have you learned about it so far? I have learned that when I thought that it was important to be able to break down technical concepts for other people to understand for commercializing a technology, it's way more important to be able to do that when you're fundraising. Um, People uh, that are investing money, uh, venture capital or private equity or uh, angel investors, um, you know, they are looking across such a broad spectrum of, uh, you know, of different types of technologies and different industries. Uh, You really have to be able to break it down quite concisely. And that can be hard to do, especially when you're in industrial technology. Totally. Yeah. I know nothing about industrial technology, (laughs) but I believe you. (laughs) I do know a lot about industrial technology and it's still pretty difficult. How has L.A. been supportive of you guys in your growth? Like what events have been just really great support or resources, accelerators? What have you accessed here in Los Angeles? Uh, So far, uh, Los Angeles, I have been to uh, events hosted by Expert Dojo, which has been really interesting. Uh, I went to an event just a few weeks back with a good friend of mine uh, that was focused on women in tech uh, as well. And also the uh, Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator in downtown LA. They're a great uh, incubator of tech, and I think that they're we're really at the forefront of uh, bringing tech to LA in the clean tech space. They have been doing a lot of great stuff, and we'll make sure to include links to that in the show notes. Um, have you found that it's easy to source talent here in LA? Are you at that stage yet? Uh, including how has fundraising been here in Los Angeles? Uh, accessing talent, I think when you're in a large metropolitan area, especially one with excellent universities like we have here in Los Angeles, uh, isn't too difficult. I would, uh, I might be saying something different if we weren't doing a, we are LA tech podcast. And, uh, as far as fundraising is concerned, uh, similarly, uh, we have access to just a lot of people, 
uh, here in Los Angeles and up in Silicon Valley. But because of the nature of the industry that we're in, which is tech, but as applied to industrial verticals, uh, we've really been talking to investors from all over the world, not just here in Los Angeles. And have you found that there's any like I mean, you've had this privilege of being in three of the top demographics for or geographies for tech culture. What are some, if you don't mind sharing, of the advantages of being in L.A. and then some of the disadvantages compared to Silicon Valley and Tel Aviv? Uh, and I'm assuming Tel Aviv. Was Tel Aviv where you were? I was actually in Jerusalem for most of the time You're in that Jerusalem. I was in Israel, but I did live in Tel Aviv as well. Oh, interesting. Where did you build the startup in Israel? It's based out of Jerusalem. Oh, interesting. Sorry yeah. for the <laughs> assumption. I just hear, I don't hear much about Jerusalem. It's Jerusalem. It's been growing. Tech thriving. Yeah. There's a Jerusalem group for bringing tech companies over to Jerusalem and it's been, it's been thriving because there's also great universities out there. I wonder if Jerusalem is kind of like the Austin, Texas uh, of there because Austin is, is like trying to make its mark in tech as well. Yeah. And it's, but it, like it never, I don't think it gets mentioned enough. <laughs> it definitely doesn't, but there are some great groups out there that are trying to promote tech in Jerusalem. And because what ends up happening is you have a brain drain of all the talent from Jerusalem, of people going over to Tel Aviv to join the companies out there and they totally. want to keep them, uh, you know, keep them put. <laughs> totally. We, we hear that here in LA with uh, San Francisco. Yeah. Don't take our talent. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. So, um, at what would you say the advantages and disadvantages are here in LA? Uh, I would say the advantages here in LA, uh, is that you're part of, uh, a really great ecosystem. Even when, uh, I was located out in Israel, we would always say, okay, when you want to do a proof of concept as a startup company, where do you want to go? And we would say the United States is the proof of concept or demonstration site for anywhere in the world. We're in the United States, California. We're in California. Right. Los Angeles is where you want to be. Um, when you're able to demonstrate that a technology works in L.A., um, that really serves as your proof of concept internationally. And you can't say that about a lot of places. So I think that and just the uh, access to, um, you know, really just uh, global thinking and international thinking and access uh, is really beneficial. Disadvantages. Uh, I would say more it's culture, uh, but that's more United States versus Israel. In Israel, there's this very kind of free-form culture um, within organizations. Uh, it's not particularly hierarchical. People are encouraged to question authority, to question decision-making, to bring new ideas to the table. It's a lot less formal of an environment. And I think um, the, one of the reasons that Israel has been so uh, recognized for being a kind of startup nation, if you will, uh, is because of that ability to be agile, which is so important when you're a startup. Awesome. Who is an LA tech talent or company or even event you've come across lately that really impressed you? It would have to be uh, the Expert Dojo event that I went to. Um, it was really a gathering of a lot of amazing women across a lot of different industries. And they brought in some very interesting speakers that uh, I thought was a valuable use of uh, Tuesday night. And tell us a little bit about Expert Dojo. Uh, I don't know too much about them. They're an incubator program, also an investor for uh, seed stage companies. Um, they're not uh, you know, associated with us or invested with uh, our company particularly, but uh, I was introduced to them through a good friend of mine uh, who's in the startup space here in Los Angeles. And I like that they're also located up on uh, the roof of Santa Monica Place, which is pretty cool. I know, great view. And how can people <laughs> connect with you if they want to send you a message online, email or LinkedIn or social media channels 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so like 2015. Email is great. Uh, Sivan, S-I-V-A-N at noriawater.com. That's N-O-R-I-A water.com. Uh, or through LinkedIn. You can look me up uh, with uh, Sivan Sydney, S-I-D-N-E-Y Cohen, C-O-H-E-N. Perfect. Sivan, thank you so much for literally being my inaugural like guest in my new studio as my nerves are like spiking out of my solar system. (laughs) It's been really wonderful to support and to celebrate you, to connect and collaborate with more incredible people in the LA Tech community. Remember to go to wearelatech.com slash community. Wearelatech.com slash community takes you straight to the We Are LA Tech Facebook group. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Say hello on social at We Are LA Tech on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Bye. Bye. Hi, my name is Sivan Cohen. I'm the CEO of Noria Water Technologies, where we're developing real-time membrane monitoring for optimization of industrial processes. We're based in Los Angeles, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. Join thousands of people in L.A. Tech on our We Are L.A. Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. We're so proud of what we've created with the We Are LA Tech podcast. To be a part of our journey with us, if you'd like to donate, go to wearelatech.fm. That's wearelatech.fm, and you can find our donation link at the top right of the page. Thank you so much for supporting us in our journey and helping fuel us moving forward for each and every episode. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Carroll. Show notes by Carl Marty. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.